Hello and welcome to episode 131 of the Deep Lying. Ah, crap. They've changed the password, James. Uh, welcome to episode one of the Regista podcast. And as we all know, the Regista is a more aggressive version of the Deep Lying Playmaker. Offers a dynamic and unpredictable creative outlet, constantly looking for new chances. I reckon that kind of fits. Kind of. So yes, we are back and think of it a little bit like Sunderland, where we were hanging around in the Premier League for of, of FM podcast for a little bit of time. And we've just suffered back to back relegations. We're starting again in League One, probably with not many fans coming to watch us and certainly no good players. But you have got two loyal people who have stuck around and are prepared to play for the shirt, for the badge and hopefully get us back into at least the championship sort of level over the coming weeks and months. So that means I'm still joined by James Jones. Hello, James. Hello, Chris. How are we? I'm very well, thank you. And how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Excited to be... um to be restarting with Regista. Very excited. Excellent. Good stuff. Well, we've got two very enthusiastic people on the podcast today then, which is, which is good. And hopefully then we can just start finding our new playing style, mourn the fact that the likes of Chris Coleman aren't with us anymore and take us forward in a, in a new aggressive, it says here, version of the Deep Lying podcast. So today's theme, folks, is what to do after winning promotion. Because Jamesy, as we know, he's been doing very, very well with Boar and Wood. And I've got a few promotions under my belt over, over previous versions of, of Football Manager. So I thought we'd have a little bit of a chat about that today. James, you got promoted with Boar and Wood in your first season. Am I right in remembering that? Yeah, we went up as champions in my first season at Boar and Wood um, a lot. We punched well above our weight. I think we predicted to be finishing. I think it was like mid-table or something. Um, but we we went up as champions. It, it was a bit of a ding dong battle between us and Leighton Orient, but we managed to we managed to pull through. And now we're in League Two. Fantastic stuff. And was that your first ever promotion on FM, or or are you sort? Because of, I mean, the reason I ask that question slightly tongue in cheek is the fact that you've said how you've always start with West Ham, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but have, do you do you really ever go down and sort of play as a team that would need to get promoted before you can get back up into like the, the higher divisions? I think a few years ago, I, I may have taken on a championship club. Um, but the fact I can't remember who it was or whether I actually did or not suggests it wasn't that much of a successful save. But um, I mean, when West Ham were in the championship, I would have taken them in, taken them on straight away in the championship. So I probably will have been promoted at some point in my FM career, but this one, this is the one that really is like my biggest achievement, given that Boreham would have got hardly any money to spend. They don't get, they get an average of like 300, um, 300 people watching every home game. Uh, yeah, so that's my biggest achievement. And we're doing pretty well in League Two as well. Okay, well, good stuff. That kind of links us nicely then into actually the kind of things that people should, well, in, in our advice, and look, we're not FM experts in, in any way, shape or form, but we've won a few promotions between us. You've won one, I've won probably 20 odd. Um, and we can we can come up with a few things that you might want to think about doing when when you've just won promotion and you're looking to take the step into, into the division above. So, Take us back to that moment after you've won you've won the National League or the Vanarama League or whatever it's called nowadays, James. What was the first thing you did after celebrating in terms of thinking about League Two? Okay, so I mean one of the, the main thing I did was reassess the squad. Um, the, the wage the budget isn't very big. And I had a couple of players that were that were playing well for for the first team in the National League, but won quite a lot of money. 
they were taking up a lot of wage budget and I didn't feel as if they were probably good enough to, to take the step up. So I had to think about whether I wanted to keep them or whether to let them go or whether to sell them. Um, and at that level, like getting loan, loan deals in is very, very important. So I had to reassess who I wanted to bring in on loan. Um, I, had, I had six or seven players on loan, four or five of which were absolutely superb mm. in the promotion season. So um, the absolute first thing I did was try and get all of those key players back in on loan because they were, a lot of them were at either Premier League or Championship clubs anyway, like in the youth system. Yeah. So they were definitely good enough playing League 2. Um, and then it was just looking at the contracts, uh, making sure that everyone was tied up for at least a year, two years. Um, no one was running sort of running down their contract that I didn't want to lose. Um, and then from there, it was just making sure that my tactics were going to be up to scratch when we played our first game in the Football League. So go, going back to how you were assessing the squad then, what, what, how were you deciding whether that particular player or somebody that was going to be good enough for League Two? Well, one thing, one thing I, I did do, which I haven't really done before, is I was looking at, when I set myself an immediate goal of us sort of finishing mid-table in League Two, so I looked at the teams that were in mid, sort of mid-table in, this, in that season, the previous season, and sort of looked at the calibre of players that they had um, and then just sort of compared them with my own and thought, OK, well, you know, if they're, if they're getting mid-table in League Two and they've got 10 times better players than I have, then I'm going to be in real trouble. Um, so I, I did a lot of comparing with other clubs um, and then looked at the tactics and, and stuff like that. But a lot of it was down to, to finance as well. I mean, four or five of my players were on over a £1,000 a week. And at that level, that's a lot of money. Did you see that the wage um, bill went up? Uh, or not the wage bill, but the wage budget increased much when he went from championship, uh, not championship, the uh, the National League up to, to League Two. Did you get much more money to spend on wages? It, it increased a little bit. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head how much it did, but it wasn't a great deal. So I had to think, right, um, even though I've got a little bit more to spend, ideally I want to bring in quite a lot of players. And given the fact that a lot of my loan players won't come back for, what, for, any, for whatever reason, which means I had quite a lot of signings to make, which means I had to free up quite a lot of the, um, the wage budget to make way for that. Yeah. Um, so it was just a case of just really assessing every single member of the squad. There was quite a lot of youngsters uh, in the youth system. It was looking at those and seeing if any could really make the push on, uh, which in my case, that wasn't really the case, given that none could really break through in the National League. So none were really good enough for League yeah. 2. So um, a lot of it was just, I'd, I spent quite a lot of time comparing them with the league the season before and mid-table in League 2 and then really thinking... Did they have much of an impact last year? If they didn't, then they're probably not going to have an impact in League Two. And then I went from there. So how many players do you think you you let go or released or sold in that summer? Uh, not including the players that returned to their club on loan. I think I got rid of about six, um, which doesn't sound a lot, but I, I, a lot of them went for free. And then I think I sold two. In the end, I managed to get some money for them. Um, right. Because a lot of them had quite a lot. Of, don't, don't get me wrong, I wanted to get rid of more, but it was just trying to flog them because uh, a lot of them weren't very good um, for that for that level. And even the teams down below, they couldn't they either couldn't afford them or couldn't afford to take them on loan because I wanted to recoup some of the wage budget when I did send them out on loan. So um, I, I unsuccessfully, well, I successfully got rid of a few, but there was a few that still still hanging about that I really wanted to get rid of. 
So what do you then do with that? What do you then do with those players, the ones that you want to bin off because you know they're not going to be good enough, but then they can't actually, they're not, they're, they, you can't get rid of them and they're not going to be good enough for your team. What do you do with them? Do you, do you have them in the squad? Do you put them in the reserves? Well, I mean, in Bournemouth's case, they actually don't have reserves. It's just an under-18s team and in the first team. Oh, okay. So it was... It's just a case of they just sit in they just sit in the first team and they they might if I have a really big injury crisis or, or whatever then I might bring them in um, just to just to fill a hole but they normally just sit there and waste away until until I get to the next transfer window and then try again try and offload them or I just wait for their contract to run down with with boring with not having a lot of money it's not as if you can just pay off their contracts either yeah. So you can't, you're kind of caught in a rock and a hard place and you want to get rid of them, but you can't, but then you can't really play them. So they just kind of sit there and, um, and moan about it. But fortunately, the players that this sort of thing happens to, they're not that influential in the dressing room. So even if they do moan, the rest of the squad don't really care that they're moaning. So you can kind of get away with it a little bit. No, that's a fair point, actually. I, I typically look to just, I just try and release them. Um, regardless of how much it costs me because I've always had the attitude of I don't want players who aren't playing or not going to have a chance of playing being around the squad no, within reason no, no matter what the cost but actually since that change in dynamics for FM18 I've not even really thought about the fact that if they're not in, they're not influential in the in the changing room so nobody really cares so so mm. having an unhappy player that isn't really anything anybody cares about probably won't have that much of an impact. So going into League Two then, James, have you have you changed your tactic too much from the one that won your promotion? No, well I I started just as as we were. I kept everything the same from our promotion year uh, to begin with. Um, I actually released uh, the first half of our League Two season over the weekend on uh, my website. So um, I explained there that. At the beginning of the season, it was working. I don't know whether that was just, you know, we're, we're plucky little boring work, you know, grinding out results in League Two for the first half. But then it started going a little bit stale. We were struggling to score goals. Um, and we were losing, we began to sort of lose games or really try and grind out results where before it seemed a lot more free-flowing. So I decided mm. to, to react to that by changing, by changing it a little bit. Um, I, just, I didn't change the formation. I just changed some of the team instructions and what, one or two of the player roles. Um, so we were struggling to score. I brought one of my strikers in as a false nine rather than, um, I think it was defensive forward. Mm. Uh, and then I just instructed my team to play, just, just play a little bit more um, uh, wider rather than, because I'm very narrow. So I thought, right, well, I'll try and create a bit more space. So I asked them to be fairly narrow instead of just narrow. Um, and that seemed to do the trick. I think the game after I did that, we, we smashed one of, our, um, one of the promotion favourites, Crew, we smashed them 4-2. Um, after not scoring for three games. So that, that seemed to work. But how long that lasts for, I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing with, uh, that's the thing with making the tweaks, isn't it? You did, you're always caught in that place of, well, was that a good tweak just for that game? Or is that a good tweak that has then just slightly changed our sort of philosophy of, uh, of playing for a bit as well? So I guess time will tell. When, when you when you do something like that I've always been of the of the sort of mentality of well I've won promotion playing that way my players are used to playing that way so we may as well keep playing that way um, and it sort of it's typically worked fairly well um, in uh, up to a certain point actually I tend to find with my promotions that I get through the lower leagues fairly well just doing it the way I do it but then when I go from second tier to top tier that's typically where then uh, you get found out a lot more. Um, I think my um, 
I've got I've had lesser success going from two to one than I have done in in any of the other divisions, and that often then means that I probably should be looking at changing the tactic. But then the one time I did change the tactic, I ended up getting relegated. So it's uh, it, it sort of came back to bite me a little bit in in, in that respect. But uh, but yeah. So what other what other good things have been happening then at Borenwood since you've gone up, which were as a re- direct result of some of the planning you did after you won promotion. Uh, a lot of it, a lot of it, really was just um, who I who I was able to bring in the transfer market. Yeah. Um, so where did you go but, shopping? What what were you, who were your targets? Did you have targets lined up already, or were these very much off the cuff? And then did that all change when you when you saw that one play? You thought I'd never get him to Borenwood, and it turns out he'd want to come or what? Well, I mean, one of the, one of the two of the main signings when I make, wanted to wanted to make were bringing back Sam Smith and Michael Felivi on loan. They were they scored I think combined 50 goals between them in right. the league. So I really wanted to bring those two back on loan for another year. But um, I think Reading accepted my bid for Sam Smith, but he turned me down. He said, I, basically, I don't want to spend another year with you, got, um, <laughs> which, which broke my heart, really, really did. And then, uh, and then for Levy at Watford, Watford went, now we want him to play, for, play with the better standard of players, which again was a little bit of an insult. Um, but then he ended up with... Um, the team, another team in League Two. I can't remember which team it is now, but it was like, well, hang on. You know, you sent them to the same team on loan, but uh, the rest of it was just, I just wanted to, I, wanted, I didn't have any money to spend. So it was a case of just looking at any Premier League clubs that let go of youth players. That was, that's one of the main things I've been doing. Um, mm. Any youth player let go of our Premier League club that might have a little bit of talent, a little bit of promise that can come in. Um, so I did that with a couple of players and they, they came and they've, they've been brilliant for me so far. Um, so yeah, a lot of, I didn't really have any main targets apart from bringing back my key loan players in. Um, the rest, it was just go out there and, and see who's available. Um, Gabby Egbonlahor was available on a free, on a, on a free um, but I couldn't afford him, which is annoying because that would be brilliant. I mean, Gabby Egbonlahor over at Meadow Park. Would it have been though? Uh, yeah, I think it would... It, I, I would have enjoyed it. I mean, he's, still, he's 34 in the game and he's still brilliant. Like, he's still quite good. And at League Two level, I think he would have done a job. See, that's, uh, the, so, that's the, one... the sort of transfer that always worries me. Always worries me. When, when I'm a smaller club and I'm looking to work my way through the leagues, is bringing in that sort of player. In theory, yeah, it sounds great. All right, he's got all the experience of the higher level. He's got this, that and the other. But he's been training and playing for Aston Villa for a decade. So he's used to a certain type of facility. And then he comes down to... For example, Bore and Wood. He's used to playing with these players, and then he's playing with Bore and Wood players. It sounds great in theory, but it's that so rarely works for me. I think I've all, I've always had my success from finding, as you say, the players that have been released from like a Premier League club or a Championship level club, and they're hungry and they want to they want to have an impact and work their way back up to the top again. I've had such limited success of bringing in like a, a former experienced top level player. And, and bringing them into a, to a lower level scenario. Yeah, I mean, it, it would have been my first experience in, in bringing in a player like that at that level. Um, but I mean, as I said, he wanted way too much money, and uh, the, the thought process behind it was one, like he'd be, he'd be an experienced head, mm. um, but two, it would be well for for like merchandise sales and, and shirt sales for the club, given that we're you know we're a bit cash strapped and got a great deal of money. But you don't. Um, how many people are coming to your games, James? 
Well, we got, we're getting a lot more now, Chris. We're getting, I think we're averaging about 1,500. 1,500. So that might, you might, uh, you might sell, I don't know, a thousand Gabby Abonglahor shirts. Is that going to pay his wages? Well, I mean, it's better than, it's better than 30 uh, Sam Smith shirts, the way I see it. But um, it didn't happen anyway. Right. It didn't happen. And I ended up pushing forward one of my free transfers from the National League called uh, Di Girolamo, the, the Italian winger. Um, and I, put, I stuck him up front for the first game and he scored two. Um, and then I kept him up front for the second game and he scored a hat-trick. And he's been my top scorer this season. With, I think he scored like 27 goals. Nice. So that's as a result of really failing to bring in uh, or replace my loan signings, failing to bring in anyone that I think would do any good in League Two and going, well, do you know what? I'm going to try, try one of my current players up there, play him a little bit out of position, but he's still quite good as an advanced yeah. forward or an attacking forward. Um, and it's paid off. He's scoring goals for fun. Yeah, superb. So going into that season and having been promoted, what, what were you predicted in terms of your finish? We were predicted to stay up, but we it was like, I think it was fifth or sixth from bottom. I think okay. four, was it two go down in two. So we were about fifth or sixth from the bottom we were predicted. And at the time of writing, where um, are you? Which, we are second. Second or third. So we're we're in an automatic promotion spot going yeah, yeah. into the new year. Um, had a bit of a slump, but we've gone on. We've had a couple of really quite long unbeaten runs. We went on an eleven-game unbeaten run, and I think at the time of speaking, I think we were on a six-game unbeaten run. Um, so these little unbeaten runs are doing us wonders. And we're, we're, there's about six teams up there that could, you know are good enough to go up automatically, and at the moment we're kind of rubber shoulders yeah. with them. So and who are the who, who are the front runners? Yeah, it's who, going are really the, who are the other teams that are favourites? We've got Crew, who, who we beat 4-2. Um, Colchester are, are up there. Um, who else have we got? I think Rochdale are doing pretty well up there. Peterborough, I think, are down there. They're doing pretty well. Yeah. So we've got some big teams. Yeah, in very there. good. Very good. Well, there you go, guys. That's uh, that's James's sort of uh, save update stroke what to do after promotion chat, which... Uh, which is very good indeed. Now, you might be worrying that if we're the, the Regista podcast rather than that other podcast, we might have lost all those lovely segments that, that you used to tune in for because you don't really want to listen to us. You want to hear about all those other things that we're doing. But be, be happy in the knowledge that we still have our segments. And here is the first one, question of the week. Question of the week. So considering the theme of today's podcast, it was a fairly obvious question of the week, but we didn't have anyone to ask because we don't have any social media followers yet. So we put it into our own internal Ronnie Dog Slack and asked a few of the guys who are now writing for uh, footballmanageradaily.com to, to come up with what they do after they won promotion. So Darren Butler, who's currently telling us what, uh, what happened to some of the former Wonder Kids on past versions of the game, said, number one, he gets rid of those that weren't good enough for the previous division because it'll be unlikely they'll be any better uh, any higher up he looks to tie down his best performance for at least an additional year he always looks for the best centre-back partnership he can afford so from fm 15 to fm 18 that's been craig dawson and danny bath championship and above he looks to sign two to four wonder kids using the rest of his budget depending on what league you're going into and it may be loan it may be permanent uh, he looks at staffing needs does he need better scouts better coaches etc and then he looks to put in a training set schedule that's appropriate for his tactics and instructions it's no good practicing a short passing 
game if you're playing counter-attacking football, he says. So some some fairly sensible stuff there from Darren around the Wonder Kids thing, though. I mean, when I was managing Corn in uh, in Division 5, going up into Division 4 of French football, not many Wonder Kids really wanted to come and join me. But uh, as he says, that depends on, on which league you're going into. Jamesy, what you got there? We've got one from uh, Damon McKnight. Uh, a little bit similar to what I was just saying previously. Uh, he picks a couple of lower and uh, mid-table teams from the div- division he's entering and looks at the performance stats and attributes to compare them to his team and get an idea of what kind of performances he'll need to compete above the relegation line for the upcoming season. Uh, and plans out any long-term goals and investments for the future league campaigns. Um, so it's very similar to what I was saying. So we see roughly where the sort of where the bar is in that in that league and where you think what performance levels you're going to need and what kind of players you're going to need in order to compete at that level. Good stuff. We've got one here from Charlie Tango FM who suggests he resigns and he leads another promotion charge. Now, I quite like that in its weird kind of way because I've had this football theory for God knows how many years that you need certain managers for certain situations or certain coaches for certain situations. So like Neil Warnock, for example, James, he's about to get Cardiff promoted into into the Premier League. We, there's a very good chance it's going to happen. But I don't think that Neil Warnock is the right man then to keep Cardiff in the Premier League. I, I just don't. Uh, and that's my own personal opinion. But I know that if I'm any other championship side and Neil Warnock's suddenly available again, I probably want him to manage my championship side. So mm. I guess to a certain extent, you kind of learn what sort of manager you are uh, and then you accept that and you work within that boundary. I seem to have a bit of a problem at the moment from going Division 2 to top flight. So maybe I should just quit when I've got a team promoted from Division 2 to top flight and look at then taking another team and just become a, a, a regular promotion sort of person. What do you think? Uh, I, I couldn't do that. I'd, I'd want to see, see the job through. And that's probably what Neil Warnock's going to say at the end of the season as well. And then who's who's to say that Neil Warnock shouldn't be given the chance to, to take yeah. Cardiff into, into the Premier League anyway? Anyway, moving on, what have you got there? We've got uh, at Tommy Boy on FM, um, similar to Darren and Damon, actually. So, uh, in many ways, he will use team comparison reports to gauge the average attributes. Then aggressively use the trial option. Um, I, it deals with no budget, semi-pro, it always, it's always free transfers and non-contracts. Um, got to be ruthless and show a sentimentality for players who are no longer good enough. Uh, restaff, he never bothers about upgrades, only filling gaps. Um, so yeah, I quite again. like that about the staff thing, actually. I, I like to keep a consistent backroom staff and sort of try and take people with me through through the journey rather than sort of always looking to upgrade every year. And I know you could argue you could argue it either way. I'm a bit like that with the players as well. I like the I like knowing that in Division Two or Division One I've still got a player that played in my first ever game in Division Five or whatever. I just like I like that sort of story that goes alongside it as well. Yeah, definitely. We got uh, the last one from this week's question of the week from Ponzi, uh, who chipped in with, he did a very long piece on a site that shall never be named again. Uh, The short version of it was uh, look at the previous seasons to see how many points will avoid relegation. He works out a ranking of the teams to see which ones he should look to gain points against and which ones he's most likely to lose. It's very important in a long season with midweek fixtures to understand the workload. Uh, And there's no point playing the best players in a game he's expecting to lose if there's an upcoming game that he needs to win three days later. So he sort of, he, he seems to be quite structured and methodically plans out his whole season 
uh, when, when he's uh, when he's got promoted from a, from a lower level. And and Ponzi obviously is uh, in the middle of doing a very good uh, Italian lower level save uh, in which he is winning promotion. So probably should actually listen to him. He's, he's doing some good stuff. So that's uh, that was the question of the week, folks. Thank you very much to the guys that got involved. And hopefully we're, we're looking to have tens of followers and listeners by the end of this podcast. So we, we might be able to open up to the wider community in time for next week. Now we're going to move on to everybody's favourite segment. He's uh, he signed a new contract with us. He's going to be with us for the foreseeable future. It's at FM underscore Grasshopper and his FM tip of the week. Here's your tip of the week. Hi guys, hope you're both well. I'm back here once again with another hint and tip of the week. Here we go. Reflexes show how good the goalkeeper is at reacting to unpredictable events. If he has a high reflex rating, he'll be able to respond to the unforeseen with more success and be able to pull off highlight reel saves or clear the ball to safety. You know, I, I would love my goalkeeper to respond to the unforeseen back pass or anything coming to his near post, literally anything that is more than 30 centimetres away from his fingertips. He's a statue and a waste of space. Cheers, guys. <laughs> So there you go. There's FM Grasshopper and yet another brilliant FM tip of the week. Something these things are really helping my own personal FM game plan. So James, we should uh, we should move on to our traditional bit of five things to do when you've won promotion. What's the uh, what's the first thing on the list today? The first up, we've got to check whether your squad is up to scratch. Um, so that's really reassessing uh, the quality of your players. Um, just looking at looking at where where you probably need to upgrade if you're going into the division above. Um, can can you bring uh, any of your loan players back? Can you can you push maybe a few youth players into the first team? Are they impressing? Um, it's just really really making sure that yeah, your squad's in the best place possible and you're not left short in in a much higher league, which is probably going to be a lot more competitive. I quite like what you were saying earlier about looking at. I, I've never actually done this. Is looking at teams who are sort of like mid-table or where you're aspiring to get to next season, actually looking at their their sort of players, sort of average ratings and uh, all, all the stats that you can get in that and, and the attributes as well. Uh, I've never actually really done that, which is uh, quite, a, quite an interesting thing for me to do if I ever get to uh, being anywhere near either playing FM or... Um, or getting promoted again. So uh, I, I like that one. Number two on the list is uh, identify your transfer targets early. I think you kind of know pretty sort of soon into a season whether you've got a realistic shout of being one of the teams that could be in the promotion mix or, or not. And I've always found that starting to identify potential targets early in the season so that you can get in literally as soon as the, the season finishes, if you have got promoted, is quite a good thing. There's nothing worse, I find, than having sort of like a couple of weeks of gameplay and then thinking, oh, Christ, I need to I need to replace that guy who's not coming back on loan. Or, oh, no, my, 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 my goal scorer has been signed by a high team. Now I need to find another goal scorer. So I, I really enjoy the whole sort of mapping out my potential transfers, depending on several scenarios over over the season with a view to then spending the summer sort of months doing doing a lot of that. Yeah, I suppose it also depends on what kind of budget you've got as well, doesn't it? I mean, um, from my own experience, um, I looked at a couple of players on a free transfer that I thought could probably do a job in League Two um, who were still floating about without a club and I thought, right, okay, well, I'll, I'll hold off until the summer and by then they've been snapped up. Um, so from a free transfer point of view, sometimes you've got to move quickly. Um, given that Bournemouth don't have any money, 
I kind of that's the only market I can really can really look at. So yeah. it all depends on what money to spend as well. And that and that can obviously be a bit of a gamble as well because I mean if you're having to make those decisions before the season's ended. Uh, and you might be making it around potentially a backup stri- or a replacement striker for your goal scorer, but then your goal scorer decides to stay. Then he's left with two strikers and you're probably only going to play one and they're both on good money. So it's 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 yeah. really quite tricky at times to, to to get that balance right. And I guess, I think you see that in the real world as well, that you see one thing happen, then there's a whole domino effect of all the other moves that happen as a result of that first move. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, but, but trying to be as, uh, as organised and, and planning ahead as possible can only be a be a good thing what's number three on the list of our five things to do james we've got review your tactical approach um and are you going to play the same way so you know look at your tactics perhaps look at the teams in the division that you're going into and look at how they've been lining up over the last season um in my in my view it was just a case of my my 442 was successful so i wanted to at least give that a go in a higher division um but it's all you've got to look at can were you the strongest team in that division? And is, is that tactic and how is that going to stack up against better teams, um, probably more organised teams as well? Um, so it's a case of just making sure that your tactic is um, good enough and watertight for, for the league above. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, as, as I said, I, I so rarely change tactics unless I'm on an absolutely terrible, terrible run. Um, and... I always, I always get really nervous changing it. It's something that used to work. I still fall into that mentality of, well, it's got to be the players. The, the right players in this shape will work. So I need to be looking at improving my players. So I, I tend to steer away from from making uh, any tactical changes. But uh, but yeah, I, I completely agree. It's a, it's a good thing to do. And certainly to look at the teams that you're going to be playing against, because you might be playing teams in the lower league that are all playing 4-4-2. And then your 4-4-2 is better than their 4-4-2. But if you go into League 2, for example, you might have more teams playing 4-3-3, which means that you could be losing the game in midfield a lot more and, and all that sort of side of it. So yeah, doing a bit of scouting on, on what your opponents are going to be doing could be could be a very good thing to do. Number four, and this is something I, I really like to do after winning promotion. Uh, it's I always have a look at the history of the division that I'm going into. Not so much looking at the teams and the players and how they perform, but actually just looking at simple things like what's the average amount of points that you need to stay up over the history of uh, of, of the save. What's the uh, what's the average amount of points that would get me into the playoffs or get me automatically promoted? And I start to set some sort of targets for from there. And, it, and then you can work out whether you're on track over the course of the season and you can even be really, really sad like me and, and do some nice little Excel sort of charts that, that help you track your performance against where your target is week on week and, and things like that. So so I, I really do enjoy the looking at the, uh, the historical sort of side of, uh, of the leagues and, and working out how many goals, how many points, this, that and the other. Yeah, I mean, I've never actually done that. Uh, it's quite a good quite a good point I mean if we do go up from League 2 I might uh, I might try and look at that League 1 it's going to be a much more difficult difficult season for us so it's not I've never actually thought of doing it like that I quite like that well, you always hear you always hear that sort of that lazy cliche in the Premier League that that forty points guarantees you sort of safety, which I'm sure it does. But actually, if you look at the average, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's actually less than than um, forty points over the last few seasons. I might be completely wrong. I am literally just plucking a figure out of the sky. But it might be that you think it's this figure, but actually, uh, thirty seven points gets you gets you keeps you safe um traditionally over the course of that fm save so i think it is worth sort of having having a good look and uh 
and get and getting a good feel because otherwise you might be sitting there worrying about getting to a certain number that you don't need to get to. Yeah, definitely. So What's number five, James? Number five on the list is make sure your best players are staying. So obviously it's just a case of, you know, your best players, how much they've got left in their contracts. If you're a lower league club, then chances are that you've only got players tied down for a year or uh, waiting months. So it's making sure that the players that you you want in your team in that in that higher division that you're going into is making sure that they're definitely staying and you've got them tied down um, for at least another year. Um, and I know it probably means that you have to give them a little bit more money if you're going to be in a higher division. But um, if they're part of your plan, you got to make sure they're there. And I've had to do that already um, in League Two with perhaps League One in mind at Boreham Wood. I've already had to tie five players down who had six months left on their contract. Mm. Um, already had to go right and I've already had to kind of stomach giving them a little bit more money because otherwise I'm going to lose them whether we go up or not I, I even though I wrote this one down I would add a small caveat into into this one um there's always a price certainly when you're playing in the lower levels there's always a price where you're gonna sort of go actually no you can go and also just from and I, I do bring morality into into my FM gaming quite a lot um if I'm in uh, let's say I've gone from the champion uh, the the national league into league two like like you have if a championship cl- a club comes in for the guy who scores all my goals am I really gonna stand in his way from from doing that, no, I'm gonna. I, I I like seeing my players progress, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let him go to a to the championship club for for a sensible amount of money. So although yeah, I do always look to try and keep my best players. I do also accept that for a certain price or a certain club, or even if he's asking for too much money, there's going to come a point where I'm going to go. Actually, no, you might be my best player, but you're not staying. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, at that level, obviously, money money's important, isn't it? So you need to need to keep that, that in mind. I mean, one thing I've started doing is um, including uh, minimum release clauses. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, on players. Uh, and they, I mean, they're, they're big, big money as well. I mean, I think for that level anyway, I mean, I've got, I think one of them's got 500 grand minimum release clause now, um, which doesn't sound a lot, but for a couple like Bourne Wood mm. that, you know, doesn't doesn't have a great deal of money. Um, I mean, it could change, could change the club, so... Uh, I, I t- I've now gone right. Okay, well, if, I can't give you that, but I'll give you a couple of little little add-ons to your contract just to keep you sweet and have you can have a lower basic wage, and that's worked wonders for me down at that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Cool. Okay, so that was that was five things to do when you've when you've won promotion. Now, usually, guys, you would probably remember that we that we move seamlessly into a community roundup. But because we weren't really sure whether we were recording this podcast today or not, we don't have one. But next week, the dulcet tones of Ian Smith and his lovely Scottish accent will be telling you all the good things that are still going on in the uh, in the community. But that is the end of today's podcast. James, I'm going to put you on the spot with one question and you'll probably report back next week with the answer. Are Boreham Wood going into League One? I'm going to say yes. Good stuff. And do you reckon you'll have that season finished by the next time we speak? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. I'm going to do it next weekend. I'm already about uh, midway through episode four, which is the second half of season two. So by, by, next, by the next recording, we shall know Boromwood's fate. Fantastic stuff. Good. We're looking forward to that then. So, James, where can everyone find out more about you? Yeah, you can get me on Twitter, on my uh, manager-specific Twitter account called James Jones FM. Uh, you can read up about 
um, all my Bournemouth uh, stories and trials and tribulations over at jamesjonesfm.com. Where can we find you, Chris? Great stuff. And I am available on at Ronnie Dog FM as my football manager Twitter, but there's absolutely nothing going on there at the moment because I, I don't even have a computer that's capable of playing football manager properly. So I'm using FM Touch on a, on a little Chromebook, which is an interesting experience. Uh, and then you can find out any writing that I might be doing in the future over at footballmanagerdaily.com. And the Twitter account for that is at FM Daily underscore because we all love an underscore at the end of a Twitter account, don't we? Uh, now, guys, this is the really, really important bit to the six of you that might be listening to us today. Please do subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, any of the other available podcast things that you might have found us on and do spread the word okay this is the podcast that you've kind of been listening to for the last few weeks and it is continuing we're just calling it something different so i hope you've enjoyed it today guys we will categorically be back next week with the register podcast (laughs) 